Okay, this is video three in the And Asset Handbook, and in this video we're going to talk about the lifetime growth of the And Asset and why that's so important. So the other video we talked about the And Asset, and in the first video we talked about the whole introduction of why the And Asset and, and essentially overfunded life insurance is such a versatile asset because we can do so many different things. This is Better Wealth with Caleb Williams. One of the biggest critics that life insurance gets is the rate of return. Now, the cool thing is I don't have to argue that this gets a better rate of return than other investments because this is not an investment. If you still think that life insurance is an awful because it doesn't get a, as good of a rate of return as X, Y, and Z, you don't fully understand the process. You don't fully understand the end asset and what this can do. So I ask you to watch this with an open mind. And I also think this is gonna be one of the most eye-opening videos for you because I think we, a lot of us have misconceptions as it relates to life insurance, especially whole life insurance, and as it relates to growth. So we think of compounding, let's first define what compound interest actually is. Compound interest is a function of principal and interest continuing to grow. So it's interest, growing principal, and then the next year or the next time period, it's that principal and interest continuing to grow and you have that exponential hockey-like growth. Now, I'm gonna go back to my drawing and as you can see, this, is, this goes back to the drawing that we did in the intro of your dollar doing multiple things. And again, I would encourage you to go back to that video if you have not seen that. And one of the things I'll point out is when we talk about lifetime growth, a lot of times we don't have a lifetime metric as it relates to our dollar. And so the first point that I wanna make is I don't believe that most people are playing a lifetime game, and I think they should. Now, Albert Einstein never said that compound interest was the eighth one of the world, but he was quoted, maybe quoted on accident for saying this, something about compounding numbers. And, and the truth is, compounding is an amazing thing. It's a function of math, and it's a function of your money, growing over time. There's three things that make compound interest a thing. And yet, if it's so amazing, why do we have financial strategies? Why do typical financial planners tell us to cash out that money, take that money out someday? That doesn't make any sense. Why would you kill the goose that's slaying the golden egg? And I really want you to think about that because if you're committing to a strategy, let's say that you are committing to a retirement strategy where you're not going to control your money, but you're going to give up to, to some vehicles, financial vehicles, and hope they grow. If that's the case, if you believe so strongly in that strategy, why do you then want to, at some time, take that money out? Wouldn't you want to keep that growing? That is why Robert Kiyosaki is noted for saying that savers are losers. He says that to get a reaction, but really the concept of saving your money is a flawed concept if we can't control that money. And if we control that money, but hurt the compound growth, compounding was never a good strategy in the first place. But what I want to prove to you is I believe life insurance can be competitive, if not beat most other investments. Please hear me out on this but it doesn't even matter because we it gets to truly be an asset that gives you the velocity, gives you the control of that money, but also continues to grow from day one. Okay, so let's look at what hurts compound interest. Okay, a couple things. Number one is taxes. Taxes can kill compounding. Number two are fees. Okay, fees can kill compounding. Number three is using your money. 
that can kill compounding. And pretty much the top one is losses, whether this is stock market loss, whether this is just a business loss, or whether this is just a loss to a tax, a fee, or using your money. Anytime you use a dollar, anytime you lose a dollar, anytime you pay an unnecessary fee, anytime you pay an unnecessary tax, you don't just lose that dollar, you lose what that dollar could have earned you the rest of your life. And I want that to sink in because a dollar lost, I'm just going to, a dollar lost is not just worth a dollar, it's worth what that dollar could have earned you the rest of your life. And that's this concept of opportunity cost. We have to understand that every decision we make, whether it's with money or with it, whether it's with our time, every decision we make has a consequence. And we really like knowing this, that we have to understand that our dollars have value. Okay. Now we're going to go into that life insurance plan and we're going to go into the cash flow plan that we that I went into in the other video. Okay, so in this example, we're showing $20,000 going in and we're seeing the cash value of $13,184. You have a death benefit of 1,700,000 and all the way to the bottom you have $1.1 million, a little bit over $1.1 million of cash value and a death benefit of two point, almost 2.5, 2.4 million, and you have this. So this is like a typical life insurance plan. What is, like, how do you determine the real growth? Because we have to look at the cost of insurance and all that's going into this life insurance. How can we, like, how do we actually know what's actually going on? And the truth of the matter is, we have to look at what's called the internal rate of return metric. And the internal rate of return metric is essentially the real, actual cash-on-cash -cash growth. So to be clear, while this has a life insurance side, this metric that we're looking at does not include any of the living benefits of the life insurance other than the actual growth rate. So realize, when we are comparing this, a lot of times most people want to compare a vehicle, a financial vehicle, just on one metric, rate of return. And that's what we're going to do. But I just want you to understand that there's so many other benefits to life insurance that are not going to be calculated in this. We're just looking at a rate of return. Now in this example, whole life is looking at today and today's interest rates and projecting out the entire future of the contract with today's interest rates. Now today's interest rates are very low. And could they get lower? I guess, could we get into negative interest rates? But they're pretty low and so the projections are pretty conservative. And again, could they be lower? Yes, will they be higher in the future? I don't know, but I will say in the 80s, not that I was around or <laughs> during then, but in the 80s, these would have looked a lot different because interest rates were a lot different. So with that, I want you to know that the rate of return or internal rate of return on this is a little over 4%. Okay, so in this scenario, we're saying the actual cash grew a little over 4%. Now, to really get that in your head, because a lot of times we see this and we say, oh, it's finally earning 4%. No, this earned 4% every single year. Okay, so the first question I would ask you is, what savings account do you know of today, like today, that's getting you anywhere near 4%? Because again, we have to compare this to a safe, liquid asset that we can use. It's not an investment. This is a safe liquid asset. My question is, what savings-like account 
are you seeing that's earning anything near that? And just to prove to you, if we are comparing this to cash, you can see the alternative account right here is assuming that you could save your money in a savings account and compared to, so you have person A is just putting their money in a savings account. They are ahead in the first couple of years. They're way ahead. But at the end of 30 years, they have $600,000 and you have $1.1 million almost 1.2 million. Why? Because when you put your money, instead of putting it into a bank at 0% interest, you put it into work in your and asset and this money is gonna compound the rest of your life. So yeah, this even gets more dramatic every single year, your money's at work. And you just look at year 10, you have an additional $7,000. And again, one thing that I want you to know is it's not just a number, it's what you could do with that number in year 10. Maybe you have an idea or a business opportunity that you can utilize that capital. And so again, we're just looking at one metric, but I see this as a continual opportunity as you have more money in your cash value, okay? So if we copy this for 4%, we copy it and we put it in the alternative investment, and we say, what if this savings account was actually earning the same exact rate of return? What you will find is that the end of 30 years is exactly the same. What do I prove? All I proved is that this life insurance at 4% is actually earning every single year. So that's really important. So the going back to that alone is pretty impressive. When you think of earning a rate of return 4% and you have control, that's pretty amazing. But I wanna add some things because remember, we're just comparing the rate of return, but we have to make this more equal. So what's one thing that is really what is common in a properly structured life insurance contract. Well, the interest is not, you don't have to pay tax on that. And if you're comparing this to a an asset that you have control over, any other asset that you can save your money that it's l somewhat liquid and you have control over, you'd have to pay taxes on that. In fact, you'd have to pay tax and income tax on that. So let's say your money is in a savings account and you're gonna be using that money. What tax would you like me to use? And I can use whatever, I have a 35% tax bracket in here. And, and again, like we, we can adjust this. Here's what I would want you to think. And I usually give my clients the ability to adjust this number. But if you look at where politics, where we are po politically, when you look at the economy and you look at all the things, I'm asking you a question. Do you think taxes are going to go up? Because I think they're going to go up. I think they have to go up. And so maybe 35% is a little too high for your exact scenario, but I want you to think 30 years from now, would 35% be too high? Because there was a time in our history that we had taxes in the 90%, and I know that's for the 1%, and I, but I just know if you look at where our country's going, we're going in the direction of increasing taxes. There, in fact, there's people that right now they're talking about attacking the capital gains tax. And so all this is a, is a guess and I can adjust it, but I want you to know that taxes do affect this calculation. So if you just add a 35% tax bracket to this, now you have to earn 6.24% in an alternative account just to keep up with the boring old life insurance every single year. Every single year without a down year, what savings like account that you have control and use over gets you anywhere near 6%. Okay, what's another thing that we have to add on? We have to add on some kind of management fee. Now, not if it was in a savings account, but now we're starting to look at like investments or bonds. And again, management fee, 
There's some people that say 2%, some people that say 2.5%. There's some people that are managing their money at almost 0%. The fact is there are usually more hidden fees around. I'm gonna use 1% for just the example. But again, I just hear me out. It could be higher, it could be lower. This is just the example. Now we have to earn 7.31% every single year without a down year for the next 30 years just to keep up, just to keep up the boring old whole life insurance. I hope you're starting to see the power of this. Many of you have seen this, the argument buy term and invest the difference. And this is this concept of I'm going to buy term insurance and with the rest of the money that I would have put towards this boring old whole life insurance, I would invest it. So I'd maximize my cash. And what I would say is we would have to include the, a term cost. And what I did is I was actually generous and said, what would it look like for a 30 year old to get a $2 million term contract? And in this scenario, we have a $1,200 premium. This might be a 35-year-old, I'm not really sure. And so what I want you to know is whatever we pay in term costs, that goes into the opportunity cost because that money is no longer able to grow for you ever again. So that goes into the $20,000 that you did invest. And now this money is evaporated because it's going to buy a term insurance, which is fine. But now you have to earn a greater rate of return in your investments. What I want you to know is whether this number is five and a half percent after taxes and fees and cost of insurance or whether it's nine percent. I want you to I want you to just like wonder, like when I talk about life insurance, I and when we just look at one metric, which, by the way, I think is a flawed metric. But when we just look at the rate of return metric, it's a pretty good, amazing vehicle when you compare it to the right like assets, when we factor in taxes, when we factor in all the other benefits, when we factor in term costs, when we factor in fees, when we factor in all the moving pieces, life insurance is actually in a, and it's actually an incredible growth vehicle. And like I said, I want to go back to what I said earlier. We're not stopping at retirement. This is going to this is going to grow the rest of your life, and this gives you the ability to have it grow the rest of your life. And so that's why I asked the question. Don't necessarily look at the rate of return. You have to look at this in a form of a lifetime metric. And so many people are not thinking about this from a lifetime metric. They're thinking about it from a 10, 15, 20 years. And you might even find something that gets a better rate of return. But remember, what result do you want? And I'm even saying, even if you want to play the rate of return game, I could make the argument that this will outperform other investments when you add in risk. And I would definitely make the argument that having control in this makes this rate of return so much greater and all the other benefits like the death benefit and all these other things. Hopefully I didn't confuse you more, but I wanted to really put a mathematical metric on the growth aspect and let you know that this is a lifetime game. Actually, this is a generational game and every dollar that you make, every dollar that you make should be put to work and should ultimately be responsible for working for you the rest of your life and the AND asset puts your money to work for the rest of your life. Thank you so much for listening to the Better Wealth Podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could hit subscribe, leave a review, and share this with the people that you know and love.